Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the season finale of Good Game. Nice try. It's the season finale, season two finale. Do I need to introduce myself again? Do we have to keep introducing ourselves? Yeah, I forget sometimes. I don't want to. I don't want to. For it's the season finale, don't make me say my name. Keep them guessing. Uh, This has been an amazing season. This Uh, has been such a journey. It's been so fun. um, Yeah, it's been so fun. And, And thank you all for listening to us. Uh, introduce ourselves every week and talk to great people. It's been really fun. It almost seems reductive to t- to say on the season finale what we've been playing, but um, I guess. I, but I I'm did curious. Play, I did play this game last night, which I do think everyone should play. It's called the Trolley Problem. Have you heard about this game? I've heard about the problem. Okay. However, have not heard that it was made into gamified. For those of you who don't know what the problem is the trolley problem is a famous thought experiment about a trolley a train basically is coming down a track it's barreling down a track and there are five people standing on the tracks why are they standing on the tracks i don't know they're morons don't stand on train tracks they're standing on the train tracks and they're going to be killed now you are standing by a lever and you can switch the train track to divert the train to another track where only one person is standing on the tracks. Again, I don't know why people are standing on train tracks. Don't do that. But the thing is, do you choose to kill one person or let five people die is the trolley problem. So that's kind of a very famous problem. Now, I'm dead inside, so I'm like, yeah, just throw it. Of course, yeah, kill the one person. I don't care. Like, it doesn't matter. I don't have any morals, especially when it comes to video games. Who cares? But uh, anyway, the game is that, and it asks you these increasingly harder moral questions. Oh. So And and the best thing is for streaming and for live streaming, the chat can vote. So the chat gets to vote which is great. And my chat, they're all a bunch of psychopaths. So we're all crazy. And I'm like voting to to like, one is like another, so that's the trolley problem. A similar problem is like, if a person goes into the hospital and there are five people who each need a separate organ or they're gonna die, do you murder this person and take their organs? My gosh. Right, now it's ostensibly the same thing, right? You're killing one person to save five people. Now, if you have morals, I guess that that's a question. Some lighthearted family fun on it's Twitch. A, it's <laughs> a fun game. And again, like we talk about, I think 
it could only be a video game, which is I, I love it. It's it's could only be a game, and it makes you think about your life, which again I love. All pieces of great art do that. I like and, looping uh, Twitch yeah. chat in on questionable moral decisions. <laughs> if there's anything I'm going to take away from two seasons of this <laughs> podcast, it's that exactly that. It's exactly what we need. Jen has her hands over her face, like we can't release this. How did we get here? We How re- did we get? Why do you guys let me talk? Why do you let me talk in a pug? All right. My anyway, goodness. sorry. That's what I've been playing. I'm sorry, Sonia. What is, you said, now wait, you had something you wanted to talk about also. And if it's organ harvesting, oh, chef's kiss. <sighs> Shit. Well, it's okay if I it's guess not, I can't. <laughs> it's okay if it's not. So I spend an unnecessary amount of time on Reddit. And one of my favorite subreddits, of course, is gaming. And I found something fun that jogged so many good memories for me. There was a post about unnecessary achievements in gaming. Okay. And it showed <laughs> it showed a very clean, organized inventory management in Resident Evil 4. Whoa. Like it was perfectly stacked. Everything Whoa. fit perfectly. And I had never played Resident Evil 4, but it looked satisfying. And it made me think of just dumb achievements in games that were so unnecessary. Uh, And the first one I thought of was, I don't know if you ever played Half-Life 2, but there's the uh, gnome achievement where you have to carry this little gnome from literally the very beginning of the game throughout the entire game to the end and put him in a rocket and send him to space and you get an achievement. And I love this. It's so unnecessary. And it made me think of so many, so many dumb things and mini games that I've made up for myself in games. But I would love to hear if anything comes to mind for either of you uh, of just unnecessary achievements in games. I love that. I, you know, I have to say, like, you know what the gnome thing reminds me of is did you ever, like in high school for like home ec or whatever, have to take care of an egg like a baby? For, like, I a never week? did. No. Oh. I cracked mine the first day. <laughs> Shocker for a guy right. who's into harvesting organs, I know. but Aaron, what went I, wrong? He was hungry. We're gonna, <laughs> yeah, we're going to need another podcast to answer that question. What's wrong time. with me? That's, yeah, this is only an hour. Um, I love hidden achievements mm. where you do something and you're like, bing, bong, and you're like, oh, my God, I got an achievement for this thing. Um, yeah, those are those are fun. I love hidden achievements because otherwise it makes me feel like if it's a hidden achievement, then I feel like, oh, it's like a like a free a free prize. Cool. Yeah. But if it's not, if it's like an achievement I didn't get, then I'm just, oh, here's another just thing I failed at. Yeah. I add, it to the, I, add it to the pile. I think the best achievements are the ones that you make for yourself. Wow. Put that on a poster. <laughs> I, yeah, Jesus. Okay. I'll buy that bumper sticker. Thank you. Uh playing Fallout 3. I mean, you're a Fallout 3 guy. I All day. All collected day. Every Nuka Cola Quantum that I possibly could, <laughs> and you're supposed to take them and like trade them in, or you know, you whatever the mission is. Me, the psychopath, took every single one that I possibly could, and I brought them back to the house in Megaton. And as you go up the stairs, straight and to the right, there's like one room that's complete. There's nothing in this room, but there's a shelf on the back of the room, and I individually dropped and placed every single Nuka Cola Quantum on this shelf for no reason, but it looked cool as hell. Wow. You got the psychopath achievement. 
I will say I did a similar thing. The Nuka-Cola <laughs> Quantums are so pretty. I, cool. I Same thing, I, but I didn't do anything cool with them, but I didn't trade them. Like everyone I got, mm-hmm. I would keep. Yeah, I totally, <laughs> I totally feel that. Um, we've had a great season, you know, and for our listeners, we were going to start this podcast off, this episode, talking about our favorite episodes. And we started scrolling through and we can't pick any favorites. So We've had many. so many great guests. All of my, the people I wanted, Jonathan Blow, Ken Levine, uh, Daniel Mullins, who made Inscription. I mean, it's just, Mari is on, was on. You know, uh, uh, Sam Humphreys, Larry Casilla. Like, it just goes on and on and on. I mean, we had such great guests this season. It was a, a absolutely insane season. This has been so much fun. And to be able to bring in people who, I mean, I feel like we've all brought a little piece of ourselves in this, you know? And I, and I apologize for bringing yeah, the piece We can of leave yours out next time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But just, thank you. Yeah. Um, being able to just like nerd out about cars and talk to oh, again, yeah. like Larry and Nick, um, having people who are amazing people in the gaming space on the internet that I've followed for a while. And I'm like, you know what? I feel like I could be friends with this person. Yeah. Thank you for bridging the gap. We had yeah. Iffy on, um, had so great. many fun people, John Carlo, Kevin Smith. Like I love Dr. K was great. Yes. That was really fun to talk about mental health in games, um, which is fantastic. Markiplier was mm-hmm. great. Yaroslav Beck, that was fantastic. It was so Mars cool. made that great video where she beat Saber to our podcast. Um, yes. And it is also so cool that we've kind of come full circle with this episode too, being our season finale. And from, I would say from the beginning, we've had a lot of iconic people on, but this is somebody who has been the top of our list for a very long time. When we were pitching this podcast back before the pandemic, when we were pitching it in the very, very beginning, this person was number one on our list to have as our guest. Amazing. So it's unbelievable that we are coming... Absolutely full circle with our guest today. He was the president and COO of Nintendo of America from 2006 to 2019, and he helped bring consoles like the Nintendo DS, the Wii, the Switch to the global marketplace. And now he has an amazing new book called Disrupting the Game from the Bronx to the Top of Nintendo, and it is out now. We all just finished it. It is such a good read. Be sure to grab a copy. And here is our interview with Reggie fils So I would love if you could set the scene, bring us back to Reggie and, you know, your first stages of gaming and what interested you. I was fortunate uh, growing up on, uh, on Long Island in the town called Brentwood. We had a core group of friends, you know, five or six of us who were smart, uh, doing well academically. We were into sports, playing a variety of different sports, whether it was football, soccer, lacrosse, whatever the case may be. One of our friends, you know, was the guy, the friend that had <laughs> all of the latest systems. So, you oh, know, initially yeah. it was, you know, the, the Magnavox system, you know, probably before that we're playing Pong or something like that. And so it really was just the time to hang out. It, it, you know, uh, a lot of those experiences were either one person or two person experiences. So it, there were always other people who weren't playing. And so you're just you're just talking. You're 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 telling stories, sharing 
know, sharing experiences. And, you know, it, it really was that time to, you know, be close uh, with a core group of friends and to have these shared experiences. That's what gaming started out for me. And then it was going off to college and, and playing arcade-type games, both pinball as well as Donkey Kong. And then, you know, eventually it became having my own system. My first personal system was the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. And so, you know, it, that, that was my arc. That was my journey in, uh, in gaming from a you know, 9, 10-year-old until being you know, almost 30. And it's so funny, yeah. And and in the in the book, you you talk a little bit about uh, the excitement of buying your first system, the Super Nintendo, and how uh, you and I think the quote is played Super Mario World endlessly. Uh, and, I was the completionist. I, I had right. I had to complete. I had to do everything, you know, in that game. It's impressive. <laughs> that is impressive. And so Sonia and I were kind of talking and and we kind of hit upon the fact that like, not only were you a, a completionist of Super uh, Mario World, but also you 100% in Nintendo, the company. You actually, <laughs> com you're a completionist. That's what a meta level. I don't think anybody is going to be able to 100% Nintendo uh, the way you did. So congratulations on, on that meta game. Oh, that, um, thank you for that. I, I never thought about it that way, that I 100%ed <laughs> the, uh, the company. Maybe not quite. I, I, I think Shigeru Miyamoto probably has 100%ed better go. than I have uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but that's an interesting thought. Thank you for that. You've just you've done an amazing job at bridging the gap in so many different ways across regions um, in Nintendo, across player base, age, everything else in between. And you're you know, we, we touched on it briefly, but it, it comes down to that emotional connection too. that emotional connection with uh, with a brand or an IP or just a company, a person, a meme, anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, Reading, reading through your book, there was a moment you shared you're playing Super Nintendo with your son, uh, and it, it brought me right back to my very first console ever was an N64, and I would play endlessly with my mom. Uh, we would play the uh, the Mario Party game with the raft. We'd get we'd get blisters and keep going, <laughs> and um, it was just it was always so special. When I was at school, she would try to get ahead, and she would research online how to get the next star, and she would physically write out a game guide for me. And then when I came home, that we could work on it together and get all the stars. Um, but it's just that emotional connection to Nintendo, and you know that you shared as well before working for the company. What other I guess emotional influences did Nintendo have on you before you joined the company? Sure. Oh, well, look, j just like your own personal experience, you know, I played games with all of my children. Um, I have three children, uh, two oldest are boys. Uh, my baby is uh, a 26-year-old girl uh, at this point. Early on, playing with my, my uh, older boys, you know, we played Zelda together. We, we played... You know, some of the classic uh, Super Nintendo games, Secret of Mana, which was a four-player game, which we just enjoyed tremendously together. In the book, I tell the story of how my, uh, my middle son, who at the time was probably about three or four years old, beat uh, a Super Street Fighter. Um, <laughs> Amazing. And, yeah. you know, and, and that, that game didn't take a lot of skill to beat. Right? I mean, it was the pure <laughs> button masher. You just, you just pressed enough buttons and eventually your character would win and you would continue on and, and win this, uh, this particular fighting circuit. 
But what was so fun was that, you know, I took a picture uh, of him, you know, in, in, in all of his glory at three years old with the end screen of that game. And I sent it to Nintendo Power. And I figured, <laughs> of course, Nintendo Power is going to publish this picture of this three-year-old gaming prodigy. And they did. <laughs> so now imagine... I'm head of sales and marketing uh, at <laughs> right. Nintendo of America. Here we go. And I'm I'm meeting with the team <laughs> that publishes Nintendo Power. Uh-huh. And legitimately, I, I asked the senior person, you know, so back in 1992, <laughs> I sent in a photo of my son and I want to know why wasn't it published? And I'm doing this as a joke, right? I'm I'm the new guy, you know, Aaron, as you mentioned. I'm a tall person, um, you know, when I, you know, sometimes I could look angry even when I'm not. And so I'm just trying to do a little team building, but they don't know this. And so now that the head of Nintendo Power is hemming and hawing and, and trying to figure out what happened and he's going to go do the research. It's like, no, I'm just I'm having fun. Oh, but, you know, so th- those are the examples of the, the emotional connections that I had, you know, with uh, with not just Nintendo's products, but really the entire video game industry, because I had a N64, I had a PS2, I, I had the original uh, Xbox all in my home. I had a Sega Game Gear. I had a, had a Sega ah. Genesis. I, I played all of these games, and I do think that it gave me it, it gave me credibility with the gaming community. It certainly gave me credibility at Nintendo that I knew the franchises. I could speak two specific games and and uh, and it it really helped me be successful in the role. Yeah, I mean, I you know, and, and something that you're you know, you just touched upon is the emotional connection between between you as a as a person and a figure at Nintendo and the fans, which is like such a magic trick. I mean, reading your book and 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 listening to you speak and and um, watching interviews you've done, it obviously is coming from a very genuine place. And um, but that is something that I feel like every leader, not just in video games, but in entertainment, it tries to replicate. And uh, and I just don't feel like it can be done unless you're genuine about it. You have a general love of that, you know. And I, I would also f- say that, like, you know, Nintendo feels like just a, a company that uh, people just have such an emotional bond to the characters, uh, the stories, the games, uh, you know. Why is that? Why why is it Nintendo and not Sony and not, you know, Microsoft? I mean, Microsoft, obviously, they're just making a nanobots that are going to take over the world. But you know what I'm saying? And, and that way, what would you say? Is there anything you can draw to or, or from the other side of the mirror having run uh, Nintendo of America that, you know, that that is providing that emotional connection to fans? I, I believe that. Because Nintendo creates so much of its content internally, right? So, you know, right. Mario, Donkey Kong, the Metroid games, um, you know, Pokemon working with uh, an affiliated company, uh, Zelda, all of these key franchises are all internal to the company, all being all being shepherded by, you know, oftentimes the, the person who first created the character. Um, I think that 
It leads to the franchise itself being very carefully thought through, uh, very, very um, held in, in reverence with a passion that the creator has. And I believe that the fans see it uh, and the fans engage with it. And that's why, you know, again, when I would be at a, at a gaming convention, I would have people coming up to me, you know, let me show you my Mario tattoo. Let me show you, right, yeah. you know, the tattoo of Kirby or of, of Link or whatever the case may be. You need to have a passion for a franchise to have it <laughs> tattooed onto your body. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, and, you know, that is the relationship that all of this wonderful content has with fans. It's, you know, it, it's, it comes first from the creator and just the care that they have for the intellectual property. And the fans see it, um, and and you know, that's why the the engagement is just so high. Have you ever seen any Reggie tattoos? Does anyone have oh, a tattoo? I, I have not. I have not yet seen a Reggie tattoo. But you know, not, now that I have, you know, my my own little thirty two bit yeah. Reggie yeah. character, maybe uh, maybe there'll be some Reggie tattoos out there. Who is your Reggie? Who is the person that you would want to stop and 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 um, either now or Back in the day, who's that? Who's that person where you're like, oh my god, that's so and so, you know? You know, look, I, I um, I, I am fortunate throughout the course of my career. I've had the opportunity to meet just some wonderful people. I, you know, I, I, uh, I remember being at an event. Uh, this was when the Wooden Award was being handed out. It would have been in, I don't know, ninety two, ninety three. Um, and Shaquille O'Neal, uh, I believe he was either a freshman or a sophomore when he was up for the award. And Shaq was seated at my table. Wow. And I got to meet Shaq. And I've I've never shook hands with someone and watched my hand be enveloped in <laughs> someone else's hand. I mean, it just disappeared. And again, I'm a big dude. <laughs> um, so, you know, meeting meeting Shaq, I'm a, I'm a huge sports fan. So... You know, I would end up, uh, you know, in terms of who's my Reggie, I'd probably pick someone out from the uh, sporting world. But I've gotten to meet a lot of a lot of people that I admire. I got to meet Reggie Jackson. I've got a picture of two Reggies together, Yay. which is wow, Reggie squared. so much fun. Reg so Reggie squared. <laughs> Reggie squared. So I've I've been fortunate in that regard, and and also people in the entertainment industry. So a lot of. Uh, a lot of people who are special to me. That's great. Very yeah. fun. And you, in turn, are very special to a lot of people. Uh, and what one thing I love about your your growth and involvement and in, in everything in Nintendo is that you became a meme of sorts. Uh, and there's so many iconic moments. There's so many amazing Reggie memes out there. But what's your favorite? What are your favorite <laughs> personal Reggie memes? Look, um, the one that I continue to use today... So uh, this is when we created a video announcing the series of uh, E3 activities that we were doing that year. And the, the construct of this video was that uh, some fans had created uh, a robot Reggie. It was called Fisamech. They had created <laughs> Fisamech to infiltrate Nintendo of America headquarters <laughs> to get insight to our E3 plans. Wow. And um, the 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 and I play Fisamech, right with glasses, Terminator style glasses. Wow, that's great. So the meme that I use to this day is there's a scene in this video where I take off the glasses and I shoot 
laser beams and and you know evaporate one of our employees. Um, I love that meme. I use <laughs> oh, I use that today uh, on Twitter very very often. So that's one of my favorites. <laughs> that's oh, the tattoo I'm getting. Fisa Mac. <laughs> exactly. The, the, yeah. You know, the, the, the <laughs> taking off of the glasses and the laser beams would be the would be the tattoo. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. If there's anything better than getting a few of your favorite things from McDonald's, it's getting a few of your favorite things from McDonald's for less in the McDonald's app. Mm. Delicious. Order in the McDonald's app today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Right now, only in the app. Enjoy a breakfast sandwich for just $1, like a sausage McMuffin with egg. Offer valid one time per day from 429 to 512 at participating McDonald's. Must opt into rewards. I wanted to ask you, you know, in an episode of your podcast, Talking Games with Reggie and Harold, you, know, you talk a little bit about the unharnessed power of video games when it comes to education. And, and uh, you know, this is something we talk about a lot on this podcast. We talk a lot about, you know, uh, video games as an art form, video games kind of being where films were in the 30s. Right now, we're just starting to see the explosion of of really how video games can change people and and not just in narrative storytelling, but in all sorts of ways. And, um, you know, obviously games like Jonathan Blows the Witness, you know, we're going around solving puzzles. That is like an overt rewiring of neurons in your brain. It's obviously teaching you new patterns and new ways of thinking and languages and stuff. But also it kind of struck me, you know, we we were talking a lot about Elden Ring, of course, and just the fact that you fail 900 times on a minor boss can teach you failure is good. Failure, you know, is important. And that's something I never learned in school. I never learned that failure was a stepping tone necessary for success, right? Which it is. Absolutely. Well, so um, ironically, the very first book proposal idea that I had uh, for, for writing a book was this concept of all of the real world skills you can learn from playing video games. Yeah. Um, and and I, I, I fundamentally believe that it's true. Whether it's learning communication skills from... Uh, you know, a game when you're on headsets with your teammates and you're you're trying to overcome uh, an, an objective, working against a similar uh, team. You know, you you learn communication skills. You you can learn strategic thinking skills from a variety of different games. You know, the 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 whole trial and error aspect. You bring it up in Elden Ring. I was a judge for the Tribeca Festival last year. And there's there's this game called 12 Minutes. Oh, yeah. And literally, it's a game that gives you 12 minutes to solve effectively a puzzle 
uh, to free your character and 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 to save you know yourself and your your wife, and it's a phenomenal game because you constantly fail. You have to think about what you could do differently to progress in the game, and you know the thinking skills uh, that it encourages. The you know not being afraid to fail. There are so many of these types of skills that you can learn. You know, the the podcast you mentioned with my good friend, Harold Goldberg, you know, this is a group that uses the genre of video games to teach writing skills and critical thinking skills to underserved youth uh, in the New York City area. And, you know, it's, it's powerful because it uses a medium they love, but it teaches real skills in how to write clearly, how to analyze a particular experience, and to be able to communicate in an effective way. And uh, it's a it's a powerful, powerful organization that does such great work. But again, it comes back to this core construct that you know the broad variety of video games. There are games that teach you real skills that you can apply every day. Are, are, are you, with these games like Elden Ring? Do you rage quit? Do you, are you a rage quitter? So I, I have to tell you, you know, and I've I've played Elden Ring. Typically, Elden Ring is not the type of game that I enjoy, and that's because, <laughs> and you know, it's true. You know, my the way I play games again because I'm a completionist is I, I like to be overpowered when I go into an experience, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, for example, one of my favorite games of all time, Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. You know, I would have the best uh, weapons. I, you know, I'd have all of my hearts and and all of my capabilities before I would progress to to take on you know one of the the key bosses in the game. That's the way I play. I'm an I'm an OP type of player, and so playing Elden Ring, where by design you constantly fail, you constantly die, your character is constantly killed. You know, historically, that's just not the type of game that I enjoy. And and I have to say, the developer from software, they they have mastered this technique and, and they've created an exceptional game. But, you know, historically, it's not the type of game that I would play. <laughs> uh, I, I, I won't rage quit, but uh, historically, it would not be the type of game that I would play to completion. And I have not completed Elden Ring. I, I have I have stopped and moved on to other things. You set the controller down gently. Yeah, you exactly. Set, you're like, like I'm like, done. I'm, thank I'm you done. very much. Uh, right. I'm gonna I'm gonna move on now. <laughs> I think very few have a hundred percented Elden Ring. If we're talking on a grand scale, <laughs> um, I do love touching on you know as we were saying um, lessons from video games and and learning in video games. Um, and there's such a important and amazing you know educational aspect to it. Uh, and I feel like that's just being even more heightened now and in going into the future with AR and VR. And when I think of early AR and just, I mean, Nintendo as a whole has been on the, the front cutting edge of so yeah. many really just cool concepts, cool technology, Rob the Robot company. You know, power pad, been, super scope. Yes, yeah. there you ahead, go. Ahead of the game, and I really, truly think that with the 3DS, because I remember having, you know, unboxing it the day I got it, and having the cards playing the, with the AR cards. Yes, I thought that it was it. It was mind blowing for me, and how responsive it was, and how you could see the depth and the characters uh, in front of you. And I, I, you know, again, Nintendo being such an early 
uh, adopter of, of that kind of technology. Um, just you personally, what are you excited for in the AR VR space and going forward? And where do you see it uh, in our lives, in games, and everything else in between? Sure. You know, it, specific to gaming, I'm very excited about the capabilities of AR. And I, I think AR more than VR in gaming has more potential. And I say that because I feel AR is a bit more social and playing games inherently is a social experience. I do believe that there are there've already been a number of really cool, really great AR type of experiences. Uh, you know, Pokemon Go through your phone, a fantastic experience. I do think what could be done with lightweight goggles in an AR experience can be very, very compelling. I think VR has a lot of applications from, let me call it a, a business perspective, right? Yeah, you know, checking out real estate through uh, a VR type of experience, you know. Uh, one of the companies I'm on the board for is a marine company, you know, selling a variety of different type of boats. So imagine through a VR type of experience, you can outfit your boat and, and see what it's like wow. with different finishes and things of that nature. I think those applications are really, really compelling. But in gaming, because you're trying to move your character, it's really a big development challenge to create an experience that doesn't create nausea when you're when you're playing in, in VR. So uh, I'm a fan of, of AR, especially in gaming. I, I do think, um, you know, metaverse for me defined as a digital experience that leverages your avatar, uh, that'll have a common uh, uh, development platform, that'll have a, a common currency. I think that's very exciting. And I see companies today that are doing elements of this metaverse. You've got uh, Epic with Fortnite and what they're creating with real world experiences within a game. You've got Roblox with a common currency across a range of different experiences and one common uh, avatar that you use. So, you know, there's a lot of very interesting opportunities within this gaming space, and it's going to continue to move forward. I mean, it's a $200 billion industry that uh, is going to continue to innovate. And I would even include Nintendo on that list of companies who has laid the groundwork and had pieces of that. You know, I think of Street Pass, which is one of my one of my favorite things of, of Nintendo in, in general, uh, the Wii U, the Warawara Plaza being able to interact with people around the world. Uh, and then, you know, again, AR with Pokemon Go. There, There's all these elements, and I feel like the Venn diagram cross-section of all of those is pointing to some kind of, um, you know, like digital social uh, interaction. And I, I love that in the future. I agree with you. I'm, I'm actually shocked that, you know, someone hasn't taken the concept of street pass and built it out in um, in a mobile phone type of interaction, right? You and me the, both. <laughs> you know, the, this concept of as you're passing by someone who's, you know, selected similar uh, interests to you and, and, you know, a gift is exchanged as you pass the person, you know, there's there's absolutely a core idea there. Um, and I'm, I'm just shocked that no one's really played with it. 
I just remember that being one of the most exciting moments for me at a gaming convention is bringing around my 3DS. And then at the end of the day, at a long day at E3, getting back to my hotel, cozying up and just going through all my street passes and checking out periodically who I cross path with in the day. So how, how many of the special Reggies that we spent, that we sent oh. via uh, <laughs> street pass did you get? I, I know I've got on my 3DS, I think I have maybe four or five different (laughs) versions of Reggie that I receive via StreetPass. I think I've got a special digital, uh, maybe one or, I think I got one or two of them throughout my time. (laughs) (laughs) It's, you know, it's so funny. uh, One of the, again, Nintendo just feels like such a, a disruptor, a disruptor company in, in terms of the way, like always kind of taking their own path and to great success, not just being the tip of the spear, but you'd say AR. And immediately I thought of an application, which feels very unique, which is the physical little Mario Kart that you can drive around and with that has a camera on it. And all of a sudden now you're using your house as an actual course, like brilliant. What is, who is the, your Mario Kart? Who do you play in Mario Kart? Uh, I tend to play as Yoshi. Yes. Um, Yeah. I, 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 you know, lighter weight, um, typically has uh, access to faster cars and things of that nature. So I, I play a lot as, uh, as Yoshi. Um, obviously, in, you know, in later iterations, uh, playing as your own me character is always a lot of fun as well. But uh, I, t- I tend to gravitate toward Yoshi. Yeah, Reggie Mech. We'll got to get the Reggie yeah, Mech in there. Exactly. Make that Fisa Mech character. Yeah. <laughs> I need that in the next Smash exactly. or something. Yeah. Oh, my God. That would be absolutely incredible. Um, and I, I just have to ask, like, it, you know, it's again, it's it's so fascinating to talk to you because you are, you have been on the other side of the mirror when it comes to, to Nintendo. What was, you know, you talk a little bit about uh, what you thought was your greatest failure at Nintendo. And I'll let people, people should buy the book, uh, Disrupting the Game, to, to find out what that is. But what was your favorite game that you oversaw the release of at Nintendo? You know, it's, um, it's a game that I've mentioned. So, uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild. Ah. You know, I'm I'm a huge Zelda fan, right? I I uh, I cut my teeth on Link to the Past on the SNES. Played every Zelda game, um, not all of them to completion, most of them to completion. <laughs> but uh, but Breath of the Wild, you know, the the concept of a, a, a effectively a wide open Legend of Zelda experience that. You know, you and I can play, but play it completely differently. You know, I would I would talk with, uh, you know, developers and people within the company. We'd be sharing just how we're playing the game. For me, you know, my 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 go to weapon was always some sort of bow. I'd be attacking from long distance. Um, you know, other people like to do more melee battles and things of that nature. You know, I like it. I like to to beat people from far away, but just just to be able to have the conversation of playing the game, experiencing it differently, uh, was just so much fun for me. And you know, it's it's gone on. I, I think it's the best selling Zelda game of all time. And uh, and being part of that launch, <clears throat> excuse me, was just fantastic. Yeah. Wow, I know that game is whoo. And again, so many different play styles. I think I I beat one Divine Beast and then I spent the next, I think, 40 plus hours just roaming, making food, <laughs> exactly. messing up food. 
Oh, you made a lot of yes. dubious food, huh? A dubious lot, food. I'm not not the best cook, and I think it translated. I, so I make a lot of dubious food in my real life, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> better, I'm better at cooking in Legend of Zelda, frankly. So uh, I hate to say it, we're almost out of time. And this is again, this has been a real thrill. You were when we were first pitching this podcast. You were the guest we wanted to have on. So thank you so much for your time. I know you're very busy uh, and this has been incredible. We love to end every interview with asking our guest their best and worst game. Now it's not best and worst. What it is is kind of favorite game and maybe the game that disappointed you the most, maybe a game that broke your heart, maybe a game that you didn't rage quit, but you set the controller down lightly and walked away. So let's, we'll start low and go high. So what is the game for you that that disappointed you or broke your heart or or uh, a game that you really, um, you know, that not the opposite of the best? I don't want to say worst. So it's not a game that broke my heart, but it's a game that as an executive, I had some real serious questions about. And again, where this comes from is someone who knows all of the Nintendo franchises, played all of the different games. So I have to say, the first time I saw Donkey Konga, I, I, I scratched my head, right? So again, a Donkey Kong game that you played by beating on you know, these plastic Congos, essentially, <laughs> in order to progress through the game. And, you know, I, I questioned if it really was a good application of the, the Donkey Kong franchise. I, I questioned whether, uh, you know, having more of these types of very unique controllers really was, you know, in the best interest for the yeah. player. Yeah. Uh, because again, th this was in the days of Rock Band, and um, you know all of the all of the Nintendo peripherals that we were bringing to the market. Yeah. So that that's a game that when we launched, I certainly scratched my head and said, <laughs> "Boy, you know, I'm 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 not sure. I'll I'll launch it and I'll market it." Um, and you know, Nintendo of America did fairly well with that game, but it it made me scratch my head. Yeah. That's interesting. Fair. Yeah. And it is so funny because right now, kind of looking back, a specific peripheral just like now keep people beat Elden. I'm sure somebody right now is beating Elden Ring with that, those drums, you oh, know, I like hope so. I love like, you know, when they do that, but it is hilarious. Like looking back, like, yeah, we'll just make a game and you'll, there'll be a specific drum and you beat it. And everyone's like, what are you talking about? That's chaos. Well, that, there were in that era, there were a number of games. There was one that Nintendo didn't pub, uh, um, it was on our system, but it was published by someone else that used maracas. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to go back and find the name of this game. And I remember Maracas as a controller was another one that, you know, I had to scratch my head a little bit. What are we doing? You have a lot of peripherals for Elden Ring, yeah. is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> the, the finger symbols game was bad. The, you know, the uh, Super Mario finger symbols. Nobody liked that game. Uh, all right. So let's go best. Let's go favorite game, the game that you you connect the most emotionally to. What is your favorite game, your best game. So uh, again, a hu huge Zelda fan. I've, I've mentioned Breath of the Wild a couple of times. Um, I've mentioned uh, Link to the Past. Um, you know, another all-time Zelda game is Ocarina of Time. You know, very unique game. Oh, yes. Um, you know, just, uh, just a, a stunning masterpiece in its time. So that's another one that I would highlight. But, you know, for, for me, any Zelda game, 
you know, I, I feel I can't go wrong with uh, in terms of uh, a game that I've loved and a franchise that I've loved. Wow. Yeah, that's, I mean, incredible. It's Ocarina of Time was my first ex- Zelda experience as well. Uh, Sonia, what was your first Zelda experience? My first was Ocarina of Time. But, you know, when, you know, put under pressure, thinking of all games across all time and all platforms, my my personal all-time favorite game is Majora's Mask. Mm. By far. The time element, the masks, just the the extra hoops that you needed to understand. It was just, uh, and then having more of a wide open world. It was just, it was beautiful. And I, I loved how you said you, you like to go into things uh, overly prepared. I like to go in with my fierce deity mask. Mm. I like to be ready to go. So I feel you. Yeah. Well, you know, so uh, ironically, going back to Breath of the Wild, my my favorite costume is the 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 deity uh, costume that you could get only with um, with the amiibo that are available for that system. And it, it makes you overpowered, right? It, it makes your attack like super. So that's, uh, that's my favorite costume to wear when I'm playing Breath of the Wild, just to get that OP benefit. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, uh, Reggie, thank you so much. This was this is a true delight for us. Um, and everybody, go get the book, Disrupting the Game. It's fantastic. Uh, not just great stories uh, from your entire career, not just at Nintendo, but also just really fantastic life advice. Uh, and so, yeah, we enjoyed it quite a bit. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for the, you know, finally coming on the show and, uh, you know, looking forward to doing it, doing it again sometime. Thank you so much again to Reggie for joining us today. Who knew that we would have so much in common, fellow Yoshi homie, huge Zelda nerd. I'm just, I'm so happy. Full circle, Aaron. I love it. And I hope I didn't embarrass you in front of Reggie. (laughs) I apologize for my behavior as always. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places. Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. All right, we're back. Now, one thing I think that's been a through line this season, and I don't want to start any trouble, ladies. Oh, boy. But the competition between you and Jen with Hades. Now, Mm -hmm. everybody knows Hades, this game, you're trying to make it up to the surface. Now, Jen, how many times did it take you to make it up to the surface? It took me 41 attempts. Okay. And the last time we talked... Sonia, you had done 40. You were mm-hmm. on your last run. You had one more run to go. Now, look, you put it down for a while, which mm-hmm. I personally think is a mistake. You want to stay in the cut. You want to stay, you know, so you had your last run. How did it go? So there's a lot on the line with this. That's right. Particularly Jen's gamer cred. 
Because I know that you mentioned you feel like you're not a gamer, which is not true. I want to get that out of the way. It's not true. I know that the stakes were high if you had beaten me in a game like this. It just really would feel good. It'd feel good. There was kind of, frankly, more on the line for you, Sonia. I, you mm-hmm. put your, you know. It's and like, In-N-Out. In-N-Out and, is also In-N-Out. on the line. Yes. That's right. In-N-Out Burger. That's right. The loser, the loser buys the winner In-N-Out Burger. Also, you know, I kind of feel like this is like 8 Mile. You know, Jen is Eminem. It's the last rap battle. Yes. You're in the shelter. Everybody in the 313. Put your uh, mo- mofo and hands I'm up and follow me. Yeah, she's got, you know, mom's, mom's spaghetti. Mom's spaghetti. Yep, yep, yep. So let me set the scene. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm on attempt number 40. I, I know this. that I have one single attempt left. I'm going through it. I have all of the boons that I could possibly want working harmoniously together. What is the boon that you, like, go for? Oh, my gosh. Uh, arrow all day. Yes. The bone arrow all day. Correct. I love Correct. having anything with, like, frost like any of the snow okay. stuff. And then I also love, um, gosh, I forget his name, but the god of wine, Dionysus. Oh, yeah. Dionysus, yeah. Yes. Uh, love those two. And then anything that deflects. Deflects. That's the key. Those the Athena three. Boom. Ooh, those three are the holy trinity. And mm-hmm. I got all the way up to Hades. And then I was like, you know what? I need to pause. I need uh, to pause. What? I can't do this yet. What? I just, what? hold on. So this was. A little bit ago, I was on a flight. I've had a lot of flights recently, and I was on a flight. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe it's time. I go to start it up, and I completely forgot that I was at Hades' doorstep. Oh! So not only am I completely out of practice, I am. I am just. I am out of my element. I don't know what boons <laughs> I have. I don't know what's what? happening. I am at Hades. First Hades form, down like butter. Whoa. Nothing. Took nothing. Whoa. I my our mouths are hanging are open you right now. Me? This is crazy. I'm I'm listening to this with my hands over my eyes. I feel like I'm watching like a sports movie where the <laughs> underdog is like, and it's just like there's no way they're gonna win. Mom spaghetti. Mom spaghetti. Yeah. Second Hades form. I got him to like 20%. And I got my ass handed to me. Oh, <laughs> And in oh an attempt, my in an attempt to redeem wow. myself, I immediately did another run, and I got to the exact same spot. <laughs> I got him to the second form, and he was like twenty percent done. So I think my only question now, Jen, is: Do you want that animal style? <laughs> yes, champion. <laughs> wow! Is, wow! That was amazing. Uh, that recount, I really thought you were going to say you won. Me too. I you were going to say, I was just like on the edge of my seat. Uh, I thought to be, I mean, wow. I thought I was going to win too. So <laughs> <laughs> that's where I was also at emotionally. Uh, but what a great way to end the season for me. Yeah. Uh, yes, you Damn. get the gamer victory. We had Reggie Fizeme. Wow. You now get in and out. This is Amazing. it's a win all around. I am flying high right now. I am on cloud nine. <gasps> this is big. This uh, is big for me. That's great. Wow. Well, you know what? I think I feel like maybe I should try Hades. <laughs> I'm not good at it though. 
I'm not going to try Hades. Wait, That's have not you not beaten it yet? Oh, I made it to Hades once and he just so destroyed not, me. So I've beaten both of you. Oh, wow. This is a great day. Aaron, wow. are you going to take that? This there we go. Great. No, you know what? Jen's earned it. Golden three. The golden three recognizes Jen Samples as, as the an official as the, the certified Hades gamer. That's right, certified yes. gamer. <laughs> Cuckoo! You got the stamp. Wow! Oh my gosh! I love it. That's awesome. <sighs> well, guys, great season. Great season. Yes. All I have to say is, I'm glad we didn't bring up me not playing The Last of Us two. <laughs> it's the season finale, and that's it. It's gonna do it for uh, for this episode and this season. Of Good game, nice try. Um, hit us up on Twitter to congratulate Jen Samples uh, on uh, her amazing Hades victory. Uh, and we'll see you on down the road. Right, ladies, any last words for the season finale? This has been an unbelievable season. Thank you both for being so lovely. And thank all of you out there for listening to us and hanging out with us every single Friday. And again, like Aaron said, catch up with us at Good Game Nice Try on Twitter. And I don't know how we can top the amazing guests that we had this yeah. season. But if you have any suggestions for people in the future, I would love to hear it and yeah, catch you on the flip side. Good Game, Nice Try is produced by Jen Samples and Nick Liao. Our executive producers are Joanna Solitaroff, Adam Sachs, and Jeff Ross. Engineering by Eduardo Perez with engineering and sound design by Chester Guazda. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gita Batista, and Britt Kahn. Special thanks to Lisa Berm and music, Say It With Me, by John Danning. This has been a Team Coco production. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. mobilecom